What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining us for another podcast. We got Elliot with me, and our guest for tonight is going to be Titus. So stay tuned for that. We got some fun, fun conversations to be had with our good buddy, fellow Flyways member, and uh, Pacific Flyway representatives. <laughs> um, but before we jump into that, guys, let's uh, let's uh, get some little updates on what we got going on. Elliot, I got I got an update for you. So um, we we talked about it a little bit. We talked about it a little bit already, but um, I went on a scouting journey this weekend up into Michigan, and it's the only thing I've been able to think about ever since. <laughs> but that was fun. That's that huge marsh that that you talk about, right? Yep, up there in the Michigan marsh. And That's no, the one. if I came up, I would want to hunt. I get messages from people trying to ask me where it's at all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, shut up, Landon. I'm not gonna tell you. Man. Yeah, they're like, I know that. Uh... I, I, had this one, I had this one guy message me one time that he was like referencing a specific spot he saw in one of my videos. He's like, I want to hunt that with you, and I'm like, uh, okay, no, um, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, we always we, we try to stay tight-lipped on secret spots, so. But man, it was so cool yeah. in there. I can't wait to show you the video. Actually, it's done. So I need to get it up on the old Patreon here, um, here soon, and then you can see it. So, oh man, it was just oh, there's ducks everywhere, geese everywhere, swans. Oh, man, just it was like searching. I don't know, like exploring. I just want to go back. That's all I want to do. I want to go back mm-hmm. in that marsh because I went back. I tracked all of everywhere we went on the way back um, with the Onyx tracker feature. And, um, man, I was so stupid. I went up there, and I didn't have it downloaded. So you can download the maps on Onyx. I'm sure you guys already know that. But you can download them. I lost cell service, and then, like, I just couldn't see on the map. So when you're in there, it's so hard to see um, that I'd come up to these little spots. I'm like, man, it looks like we might be able to get there through there. I don't know. Let's not get stuck. Or we'd be like, okay, let's let's go for it. And we'd go. And, man, we could just that, – that new fiberglass-covered wood boat, I don't even yeah. know if I'm saying that. Just get, we can go anywhere with that thing. We got the 13 horse mud motor, and like we're going up like little tiny creeks, hopping beaver dams, and we'd find. Then it would open up into like this mud flat, super wow. shallow water, and just all kinds of crazy stuff like that. There's duck food everywhere. There's millet, not um, smartweed. Sorry, not millet. Um, but yeah, it just everywhere so we did you did you find some places that you really felt. We're like, okay, I definitely want to get into this spot bad. Or was it just tons of those or what? Yeah, just everywhere we went, man. We got, like, last year I had to, like, walk to these little ponds. We got the boat up in there. Um, I about killed myself going there. We could get the boat in there. Like, just. Oh, I remember I remember that video. When you The one you went off by yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I can get the boat in there. And then, like, all these little creeks and everything. It would be like, I think I'd get to a spot I couldn't keep going. And then I'd find another little creek that would run through there. And, I mean, like, talking about, like, as skinny as the boat, if not skinnier, I'm out of water. <laughs> and we just buzz right through there. And, like, I wasn't even going fast. If I was going fast, I could get, even, get through even more. But I was just nervous, kind of still getting used to the mo- boat and motor and didn't want to, like, run a stump through it or something. I don't know how much uh, <laughs> it can take. But, oh, man. And then there'd be, like, spots where, like, should we go right or left? And then we're like, okay, right was the right way to go. But then go back and look at the map, and it's like, we could have gone left. And, man, we could have <laughs> got to this cool place. And so, man, after wow. doing that, now I have, like, five or six different places I want to try to get. And some of them are like, hey, get out of the boat. And probably, like, an old beaver dam that's been there for, you know, forever that's kind of separated the marsh. And you push the boat, you know, 
20, 30 yards past it. And you're like in another, it'd be like somewhere you'd go and hunt and that'd be the whole place. You can get into like another place and another place. It's just, oh man, it's insane. So, so when is that video coming out on Patreon? I got to see it. Um, just as soon as I can get it uploaded on the, the Patreon YouTube channel. So, um, just as soon as I can do that, then it'll be up. Because so these places, um, is it uh, some of these places we have to get out and actually push your boat for a while? Are those close enough for people to walk into, or are they types of places where they're too far to walk into? Um, some of them are, I think, but they would have to like they're I don't know because some of these there's trails around there for different different reasons like old logging trails. I think some people get in there and do like the the um, like in the national forest, people ride around on four wheelers and dirt bikes and stuff like that. So it's like, you'd really have to take something like that to get to a spot, then to walk in like crazy stuff like that. So yeah. most of them is like, no, you're not going to run into anybody. And some of them are like, definitely, you're not going to run in, into anybody. It's just like, you're, you're in the there like is, five if miles. You spots, if you find spots that people cannot walk into, and you're having to get out and push that little boat of yours, those you're gonna own those spots. Because yeah. people don't have, for the most part, little boats that, that you can push. I mean, <laughs> you know, the boat guys, they they go until they can go and they don't go. You know, yep. if you so you're with that little boat, you're at the point where you can have spots that are just yours. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, so that spot, like one of the biggest spots, coolest spots we found. I know that I don't know if he's a listener of the podcast. I know he follows me somewhere on social media. I don't know if it's podcast, YouTube, both, whatever. So he's a listener of it. And I know that he he walked into that spot last year and he said he was talking about how rough of a walk it is. They gotta park their vehicle and hike their gear in like a mile, you know, pulling carts or whatever, you know. I can't remember all I think he pulled a sled and, and like it would be insanely hard and like we got in there in the boat like no problem just if you know how to get there <laughs> it's just like you know yeah. no problem but if you had like a big boat Mike you just couldn't do it you, you just couldn't yeah unless the water comes up That's a lot and so pretty cool What's the water situation out there is that, is that a pumped pool or no is it lower than normal right now is there a way to monitor the water no it's just natural that's how most the stuff in the the areas that I hunt are and the areas that I know about surrounding states. Um, I don't think most states do what Kansas does and pumps, but I could be mistaken. Mm -hmm. I, I think most states don't do that, but uh, you know, maybe Arkansas does that too. I think they might do that with the, the flooded timber. But. Yeah. They control their water based on, well, their, their control of their water a lot of times is based on just the trees and health of the trees and storing water. Mm -hmm. Um, which that, that whole book, I remember we had, oh man, what was that guy's name that had the Arkansas book? Yeah, the Arkansas Grand Prairie Marsh. Yes, yeah. yeah. That book I know, I know what you're talking Super. about. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, you got any kind of updates before we uh, keep going? You got, you got any updates you want to talk about? Well, not really. No, man, not really. I'm just training Georgie every day. It's been a little cooler weather, which has made it nicer and not this weekend, but the next weekend we have that HRC hunt test that we're going up to in Iowa. So, but you know, you pretty made, much going in every day in day out. You, you made a post on Facebook, and it was your garage, and it was all nice and neat. Later on, I, I read in the comments that it was yeah. from last year, so it was like, man, you're a fraud. Yeah. But also, also, you did not reply to my comment, which got all the upvotes. I said. I, you got two lawnmowers. I'm like, how many lawnmowers? How much grass you get to cut? One of those could have been your mud motor. 
Well, actually, both my dad's mowers, and uh, one the reason we ended up with two is last summer um, we kept having the one breakdown. And we actually had to replace the whole deck for like a thousand bucks. And my mom was getting really pissed because my parents live on the property with us in a little house, you know, that we converted a garage into a house where they live. And my mom was so pissed off at the grass not being grown all the time because we kept having breakdowns. She's like, we're buying a second one because I'm done with this. And so that's how. And that's you still have them both? Dude, that's a perfect mud mud motor motor right there. It's got to be like a 20-some horse. <laughs> People do that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Sure. Awesome. Well, guys, we're uh we got the countdown coming in. Um, it's gonna be good. I will mention too. I will mention on my Michigan trip, I had I had Jack come with me, and he's gonna be doing some filming for me. So, um, that was exciting. Got some good footage, and we'll see we'll see kind of how that goes this season. Having having someone along with me to film, and you know, still still testing out the water, seeing seeing how everything falls. But I'm definitely excited for you know after the initial trip and all that. I just don't wanna jump the gun on everything, but. <laughs> Um, definitely a cool dude, and I think we're we're gonna hit it off with with some of the film and stuff for sure. Um, alrighty, let's get, get it. Own golden boys. Yeah, yeah, I sent you the text Sorry. message. My own, my own golden boy. <laughs> Jumping the gun a bit on that title. <laughs> I was more more or less just saying I got somebody to pull me around the marsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, let's get a quick word from our partners, and then we'll go ahead and grab Titus and, and get on with this podcast. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Bandit, Avery, and Greenhead Gear. Guys, if, you have, if you've been on social media this week, they've been making a little bit of push. They got, they got their cool new waders coming out. Elliot, what's the, what's the name of those waders? you got to help me. I've seen it all day. I can't believe it's slipping, slipping my mind Aspire right now. Event. Aspire, there we go. Aspire, Aspire. event waders. They look awesome. Got some cool new technology, as I've been seeing from the posts, the posts we've been sharing and all that. So definitely excited, guys. They got some cool stuff. Check them out there. Banded, Avery, and Greenhead Gear. They are the one-stop shop for waterfowlers from their waders, from their decoys, dog training gear. They got it all. Banded.com. Check them out. All right, guys. If you have not downloaded the Onyx app, for hunting, you've got to do that. Like Jordan was talking previously, how integral that app was to his whole scouting event out there. I mean, when you start using on X, it just becomes a part of almost every single hunt from checking the wind direction to the weather, to tracking where you're going, to marking spots, to sharing spots with your friends. It becomes a every single, almost an everyday part of your hunting experience. So if you have not joined up to Onyx Hunt app, get your iPhone or your smartphone and do that right now. It is worth every single bit of, you will get way more out of it than you ever spend into it. Awesome. Also, also guys, make sure to check out the Patreon that we got going at patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. Um, we put extra content over there beyond what we normally do. We put out some some extra podcasts. We share our content there for videos early. The coolest thing we got going right now, though, is the hunt giveaway. It's going to be drawn sometime next month in August. We're going to get one of the guys from Patreon over there to come with us on a hunt. We're super excited about that, super excited to share the experience with you guys. And the Patreon guys, you guys are the backbone of this this community, this community that we've grown over here in podcast. 
and tons of you guys are jumping over there every single day. So we're super excited about that. And, um, you know, come, come join us over there. Patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. So we've been talking a lot about the motion decoy spreader, and we've been mentioning some of the data that I've been breaking down on freelance hunt stats, um, about low wind days, no wind days versus heavy wind days. And typically this is going to change this year, but I have only been using the motion ducks decoy spreader. If the wind is below like seven or eight miles an hour, if I know it's going to be above that, I normally don't even bring it. And I was looking through my data from last year. Now I understand this is an extremely small sample size, but I shot more ducks on zero to seven mile an hour wind than I did above seven. And that is never happened before. Typically, if I look at my data um, from zero to seven mile an hour wind, I shoot about one less duck per hunt. And last year, no joke, I shot more ducks, a better average. And I filtered out the teal on this too, because teal and wind don't matter. So I filtered out the teal and just looked at hunts where we were shooting bigger ducks. And my best days were zero to seven mile an hour wind. And the only explanation I can give for that is that's when I'm using the motion duck decoy spreader. That's my only explanation. Um, and next year, I'm going to make it part of my every single hunt. If, it, if it's that effective from with no wind, it needs to be in my spread on all winds. So, guys, go go check that out. I believe the promo code is... The, the promo code is duckgun10, no spaces. All righty, let's go out. ahead and get Titus with us on the call, and we'll jump right into the podcast. Hey, guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my gray-bearded co-host alongside me, per usual, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. And tonight, our guest is the one and only Titus, coming straight at us from the mountain marshes of California. How you doing tonight, Titus? Doing good. Doing good. Glad to be on the show again. Awesome. Well, we did a pool in the fellowship, and man, this was like earlier this year. And it was on what on what topics people were interested in and what guests. And um, you were the number one <laughs> requested. Wow. You were the number one requested in the fellowship. So finally, we got got you on here, and you know, excited to talk to you and and see what's up. I mean, we talk we talk here and there, you know, in the off season, flyway flyways get togethers or whatever, and um, just chats on the phone. So, um, but. But tonight, a little different, kind of a little bit more structured than just a, a, a one-off phone call. So, um, yeah. So, how you been, man? Been pretty good. Uh, just been working a crazy ton. Um, kind of a couple, three months for season. I was I had some stuff lined up for work that kind of changed. So, look, you know, some financial goals to pay some stuff off before season starts. And uh, actually... But what's cool about that is I got to get out there and work in Elliot area, not far from Elliot, and uh, we got to spend me, him, and or him and I, and Golden Boy, and actually Elliot's 
uh, wife and family got to meet them and hang out for a while. So it's been it's been a pretty good off season to be honest with you. Got to do some things and see some places. So kind of now starting to get the old um, office cleaned up and was going through my shelves today and organizing stuff and just just you know the typical off season stuff, I guess. Awesome. I was definitely a little jealous of the the hangout you guys got to have in Kansas, and <laughs> but always always yeah, cool to fun. get together and, and hang out with buddies. Oh man, yeah, it really. Yeah, I mean, it really broke that trip up because you know, unless I told my wife, I said, unless I'm duck hunting, I said I love you, but I don't miss you as bad when I'm duck hunting. But when I'm working, that's when I'm like getting homesick, and that really helped break that trip up and. Really, they, they, you know, Elliot gave me the royal treatment. Him and his wife, she, they had dinner, cooked me a big old plate of food, and then the next day made us lunches, went out swimming on the river and, and scouting and stuff. It was it was really, really fun. I really enjoyed my time. And they treated me, put me up in the guest room, and slept like a baby. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Jordan, I did not tell you, Jordan, we were, we were sitting there swimming on a sandbar on the Missouri River. And we look out there, and here comes these five little tiny ducklings swimming upriver. No, no parent, no mother with them. I'm sure they were wood ducks because that's what we had. But there was just like five of them swimming together. And uh, Aiden decides he's going to try to catch one because they get over by the mud bank and everything. But it was really weird to see little tiny ducklings because we don't see that in Kansas. So it was an unusual sighting. It was awesome. Yeah, that is pretty cool for sure. So another, uh, you know, another thing to kind of hit on, Titus, with your job, you sent the the whole group. We have a group chat with the Flywoods Collective, but you sent a, a group chat of, um, you know, some some crazy helicopter rescue and uh, and uh, um, out there in the mountains. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, man, I don't, I can't even tell you which one. Is there? <laughs> specific reference to one i don't know why don't you know why don't you just tell us a story about you know some of those crazy i don't know if you can share any stories or any details like that or i think jordan's talking about the the uh, mountain climber on uh, oh yeah 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 um so actually just real quick to say something um and sorry if there's a little background noise i'll get to a quiet area here in a second but um a quick story before that, I can't. I think it was um, uh, who is who's the guy? You can Tim. Was it Tim Cochran? Um, that had his son just airlifted recently. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. And so he kind of tagged me in something, was showing me, and I actually know the company that airlifted his son. They're like, I'm, they're not that far south of where I was actually at when I was in Missouri. But anyways, um. You know, I, I seen that, and he was just kind of giving a shout-out to, you know, the medical crews and people that do that stuff. And, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I re- remember I'm not doing none of the work, right? I'm just basically like the bus driver, to be honest with you. But uh, it is, yeah, I've seen a lot of crazy things and things that, um, you know, some that's really unfair, you know, like, some innocent you know kids are always the innocent factor and that's when the that's the call that you get when people are like you know it really devastates the medical crews i mean even me you know there's certain calls i can think about but um 
then there's some that are self-inflicted and that seems to be the majority you know maybe people are cooking drugs and there's an explosion and not that you don't have sensitivity towards that kind of stuff but some of it you're asking for and then some of it is just innocent bystanders but um to talk about that mountain story um we landed right there in the yosemite valley um below the mountain there's a lot there in the yosemite valley that have really high peaks and people climb those all the time and uh, we were under El Capitan which is one of the main rock faces that people climb very huge you can look it up on Google if you want to get a perspective of it you know we landed right there in the little valley right below it and uh, shut down and as we did I was talking to one of the other helicopter pilots and he gave me the scoop what was going on so this gentleman that was I believe he was 48 years old he um was he is a teacher he was a teacher from the States, but he had traveled, um, he traveled and teaches English in foreign countries. And he was, he likes to rock climb as his, you know, hobby, I guess. And, you know, I, those guys are crazy to me, you know, like I, I like to do daring things, but doing stuff like that is just, is a whole nother level. But uh, he was out on vacation he was visiting his wife and his family, and he decided, you know, to take a break and to clear his mind. He's going to go ahead and climb El Capitan. He's been doing it for years, professional. And uh, anyway, he got about three quarters of the way up this mountain, and he now he was using ropes. He wasn't free climbing, and. He actually had a helmet on, he had his full gear on, and he was climbing up three quarters of the way up. And, you know, these guys can do this in a day, no problem. And it's, you know, several thousand vertical feet. And when you look at it, it's sheer wall. Like, it's, it's unbelievable that they can climb it. And as he was about three quarters of the way up, a boulder about the size of a cantaloupe um, came and struck him in the left corner of his uh, forehead and honestly knocked him out gashed open his head and um he uh was hanging there i guess nobody knew about it he was basically doing it by himself and he had been hanging there we didn't get the call till the next day so he had hung there from three o'clock the day before so when we got the call about noon the next day before they realized there was someone up there that was hurt badly and you know, possibly dying from bleeding out. So we got the call. We landed that another helicopter with their crews that are hired to do like airlift rescues off the side of the mountain were there. And they um, got the call finally said, Hey, the winds aren't too bad. You know, we can, uh, you can go ahead and do the rescue attempt. And we're talking about, you know, they're dropping these guys off, these rescue guys off on a six inch ledge. So they're basically having to swing into the mountain, put their feet on that six-inch ledge, and then hook into the wall where there's other uh, carabiners and, like, um, I don't know what you'd call it. I don't know what they call it, but the things that you, you know, hammer into the to the rock and the crevices and stuff. And they got, there's two guys, they pulled them off, loaded them, and then they loaded them onto the helicopter. I mean, that sounds easy. In some ways, I'm describing it really fast, but that took a while to do that because we were shut down for two or three hours. They t- picked them up. They had them slung from a 160-foot 
rope at the bottom with the rescuer. They were you know, tied together. Come down, land right by us. Actually, just, oh, they didn't land, but they dropped the patient and the rescuer together down. They unhooked from the cable from the helicopter. The helicopter took off. We ran over there. And usually I'm not involved in it because we had to leave the helicopter running on scene calls and stuff like that. But uh, because we were shut down and there wasn't much people around to help, I ran over there and helped them. And uh, the guy was fully functioning. He had about four layers of clothes on top. He had a jacket and like three shirts. They were all completely soaked in blood. The gash, his front left forehead was completely pretty much concave, like mashed the other way. But he was sitting up, talking to us, telling us what he does for a living, telling us his birthday, talking about his wife and kids. I mean, totally normal and you know we're looking at him and we see some stuff kind of sticking out you know thinking it's fatty tissue sticking out of that basically cracking his skull and uh so we didn't really think much of it and honestly i'm not a medical uh professional by any means but i have seen a lot of things just from my past performance and stuff and have a little bit of working knowledge enough to hurt myself i guess but we loaded them up, put them on there, strapped them down, load them in the helicopter. I started off, or I started up. We took off, landed, shut down. They took them inside. Well, later we ended up getting another flight and went back in there and talked to the crew from the last patient, which was that rock climber. And they said, did you know that that was not fatty tissue coming out of that severed fracture in his skull? That was actually brain matter. Oh man. So, yeah, so the, the, here's the sad part about the whole story. I know it's kind of a long story, but the sad part to all of that is, is the fact that, and I don't mean to be grotesque, but that's, this is the kind of job it is, right? You can't just push that back in his head, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. You can't just shove that back in, sew it up, and call it good. They were going to have to actually clip off and do surgery on that brain part of his brain that was sticking out and he was gonna they're gonna have to go to him say hey mr so-and-so you know we have to do surgery um we're gonna have to clip off and we don't know what function it's gonna take from you i mean it could take that that could be the part of the brain that they gotta clip off that is his memory it could be his you know the function for his right arm left arm it could be his um, short-term memory could be long, you know, I mean, you don't know how it's going to affect you, but he was so fully functional. He was going to have to be aware and make that decision. Like, yeah, we have to do it. I mean, I don't have any other choice. So really weird scenario where, you know, you're making a decision to have to lose function somehow in your body or mind. Mm. So they couldn't, I like, mean, that's just, obviously I'm not a medical professional either, but he seems like you can like, Actually, I have no idea, so I'm not even going to say anything to make myself sound stupid. But I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. I mean, you would think maybe they could they could cut the skull and maybe kind of set it back in there, but I think it had really been crimped. Mm. It like, could come out and then been crimped again, so there was already damage, I believe. Mm. But, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, but there's, there's a lot of calls, like, I mean, not specifically like that, but just I could write a book. <laughs> like, again, like I said, just from the experiences and, and the stories of what happened, not because I did something, you know? Yeah. 
That's yeah, that's definitely crazy. That's definitely definitely crazy and you know, uh it's uh you know, awesome to have people first responders going out and and picking up people and and taking care of them, taking them to the hospital and definitely definitely need that and it does it does uh it is somber to hear, you know, hear the the sad mm-hmm. end of that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, it is. It's, it's, it is, sure. So let's go ahead and kind of jump into uh, uh, kind of talking about hunting a little bit. And, uh, I mean, man, off-season, it's – I mean, we've still got quite a bit, but it's like every day I look at that calendar, man, it's it's closing in fast. I and mean, probably faster for us because we've got the early till and all that and early goose, and yeah. you guys don't, don't have that on the West Coast as, as much. But, um, you know – uh, do you want to kind of share what you got coming up on, on your hunt season, your, your hunt calendar, what you got planned? Yeah. Um, I haven't even really put it out there too much and I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, we have quite a few things. Um, and I won't say, you know, we got the collab meetup and I'll, I'll kind of let that go as far as location. I don't even, has that been announced yet? I don't even, <laughs> I don't think so. Even, okay. Well, I'll let that go, but we got that. I got that going on, and then um, <laughs> so I, I actually got some stuff going on early season for a vet junior hunt that's going to be in September, and uh, I think that's going to be great. And yeah, that's, uh, big, that's big duck. Yes, yes, it will be. Yeah, end of September. Like, like the last hunt. weekend or what? Yeah, yeah. Nice. And uh, that will be out. Of, that will be out of state. I might just hold off on that location, but, and then we are going to go to Idaho this year. Um, and, uh, me and Thomas, and then also Caleb's probably going to go with us on that. So we're going to get some amazing stuff. I believe, you know, footage and you know, how it is. I mean, we, every year we all want to do better. We want to have better footage. We want to have, and not that we're trying to make it some big production, but you want to, you know, my goal is always to like immerse, the viewer into it and feel like they're there without too much and so there's always things you know that i think about like make it better like obviously so one of my things is i gotta talk less you know uh, but at the same time it is a youtube channel and it is a vlog so i like i do like to this is what state we're in this is the weather this is what we plan but this is plan b but uh, just making stuff better. So we got that big trip planned to Idaho. And then um, just hunting in Northern California and, you know, the, the Sac Valley and then the grasslands like usual. But, uh, yeah, I got the schedule pretty full. I really, really want to go to Washington again maybe later in the year. That a time frame that I've never went there in, you know, maybe the new year or something like that. I don't know. But. We'll see. I don't know, but again, just hunt as much as possible and and see new places. And uh, this year, definitely the Idaho thing is my biggest. I would say where I mean the club is great and everything too. But as far as going somewhere I haven't been yet, um, I would say Idaho is kind of the big big deal this year. I would definitely say, man. That I, I've seen some some videos from some Idaho, and it just seems like. Uh... It just seems like a state that people don't talk about, but has some awesome mallards. That's that's kind of my perspective on it. Not to you know get the cat out of the bag before you get there, but um, it definitely it definitely seems like that'd be a really awesome place to hunt. 
You know, my and it, it, I believe it will be, but you know, like you said, you don't really know, and uh, it it can be intimidating when you don't you've never been there. But I mean, that's how it was for us in Washington. And you know, we didn't. I mean, and again, the goal's not all the limits every day. I mean, yeah, you're hunting and you want to do the best you can, but for being there our first year and never had gone before, I feel like you know we did have some people giving us some suggestions, and that was I was very thankful for that, and I couldn't have done it without them. But it was uh, it was just neat. Like, I, just going somewhere you've never been. I think we only shot 12 ducks the first day with three or four of us. And we were just soaked out of our minds because we went somewhere else. We had no clue. And we were successful. And the biggest part, we had a blast doing it. And then it just got better every day. But I think my biggest thing for, like, Idaho is I'm just somebody that really likes the mountains. And I like the scenery. So, Having just that scenery, Idaho has always kind of been a place I've wanted to move to since I was young. Just never pulled the trigger yet, but I, I've always liked Idaho. I've been there a few times for a big game, and just I'm really excited to actually hunt ducks there instead of big game. To be honest, with you. how how long of a drive is it from from where you're at? I I got a, a feeling that like after you go for your your vet junior hunt, and you guys just smash them. Maybe you'll maybe you'll finally pull that trigger on on uh, moving out there. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's actually not that bad. There's a there's a few spots you can get to in ten hours. I mean, it's nothing. I and I was talking to Thomas. I'm like, why have we not went there sooner? You know, <laughs> Elliot, I have no idea. Elliot, I got a question. All right, I'm, I'm bringing Elliot in on this because I feel like Titus is crazy when he says it's not that bad. There's some places we can get to in ten hours. So that's like the closest places. <laughs> yeah, that's a long way. An hour drive. Yeah. That's a long for me, anything above six is starts feeling long. Six, seven. When you get past seven, to me, it's long. Because, it, like, Matt is 10 hours from me, and I've never yet to make the trip to hunt there. Yeah. I mean, you could do that all the time if you were Titus. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, remember, though, but, but you guys know my schedule, though. You know, I have that week-on, week-off schedule. If Elliot had that same thing, I don't think it'd be that far from me either because, you know, you can spend – four or five days over there but to do a weekend trip like that yeah no that's, that's definitely too much no. for sure that definitely yeah, that's that that's helps. totally true because any trip i take i've got to take off at least two days of work and so i, I don't i like yeah. to be able to minimize that hunt so we try to stay three to six hours any hunt trips we do so you can yeah. still hunt the same days you travel you get up to 10 hours and you're not gonna drive 10 hours and hunt that day unless you want right. completely miss a night of sleep which isn't very good idea yeah i've done it it's not a yeah. good idea i can do three hours of sleep i can't zero hours of sleep is no. i can do i can do three i can do two and a half but zero hours is just i can't do it it it, it wrecks me for too many days afterwards so you uh you know you got a big big upgrade to your arsenal this year titus um and i don't know if you're planning to take that to idaho with you or not but How's that gonna How's that gonna change your season? The boat. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, we. You know, I'm a very positive thinker. At least I try to be. And but I'm also I am a realist, and, and usually in the positive way, maybe more than I should. But when we before we bought the boat, me and Thomas sat down, and we've always we wanted a boat, but we almost backed out because we're like okay we got to make sure this is going to be worth it okay we know there's a lot of places we can take a boat but will we 
you know, and that was the thing where we almost semi backed out. We're just kind of thinking about maybe we shouldn't get it. And then we came back to it again and said, let's, let's go over how many times do we legitimately think we're going to use the boat? Not exaggerating, not hoping, but for reals. And if we do over that, that's great. And so we sat down and me and Thomas sat down and cause we went in, in on the boat together, which I've talked to you guys about really makes it nice to have a, a brother or someone that you can do that kind of stuff with because oh, I yeah. wouldn't be able to do half the stuff I do if I didn't have someone, you know, going in with me and doing it. So I'm very thankful for that. But we came to the conclusion realistically, and I, it may sound low to you guys. Maybe it sounds like a lot. I don't know, but we said about 12 times, um, 12 to 15 max hunt days in the boat. And some may say, well, that's all you're going to use it. You're going to spend that money on a boat like that. Well, that's the thing is, and I doubt this is going to happen, but we agreed like, okay, if we don't use it and don't think we put enough time on it, then let's, let's just go ahead and sell it up for the first season. But I think we both know once we got in there with that 40 horse, that that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> We're probably not going to sell it. But, you know, we want to be realistic. I mean, stuff opened up for us last year that we – that was always been there. We just didn't know about that gave us a lot more hunting opportunities. So that really helped. But then to add the boat to it. Um, yeah. I mean, it really did open up like, okay, for instance, our, that Idaho trip. I mean, we could, you could kind of hunt off the river a little bit if you had to, but let's be realistic. I mean, the boat is a huge factor in that. And then there's some Northern California spots too, that we're going to be using. And really, the, the Delta as well, you know, so, I mean, there is a lot of options. It opens a lot up for us, so we'll see, but, yeah. I mean, we're excited. I'm kind of tortured by it because it's in my driveway, so every day I pull up at my house, I got to see that boat, and no, I can't sit <laughs> with it quite yet. I mean, I could go, I guess I could fish out of it, but <laughs> all I can think about it is duck hunting, and I'm like, man, and I told Tom the other day, I go, do you know how much torture it is having to pull up and see this photo all the time. I said, you need to practice at your house. So I, cause I'm thinking about duck hunt every day, whether I want to or not. He's like, Oh, I don't, I don't think I would be like that. So I've been sending him a picture. Every time I look at it, I send him <laughs> a picture. So he has to think about it. And he's like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Give the hint now. <laughs> I, I think with the boat, the great thing, I mean, we've had a boat for many years now. And it's, it's just another invaluable tool in the arsenal. There are some years where we use it a lot, and then there's other years where we don't use it as much. It just depends on the weather. It depends on the water levels. But I can tell you, we shoot so many more ducks over a 10-year period because we have it. So I, I would encourage you, if you don't use it as much as you think, to hang on to it because there's going to be a year, you know, where – it, you just like, oh my gosh, we're just using it all the time. At least that's how it is here in Kansas. Very yeah. yeah, we're going to, I'm actually, this might sound kind of weird, but I think yeah, Thomas thought I was kind of dumb at first. I think he thought, oh, okay, it makes sense. And it probably has something to do with me being a pilot because we have our logbooks. You know, you have your maintenance logbooks and your flight hour logbooks and all that. And I said, you know what, why don't we keep a logbook um, in the boat where we can log our hunt out of it <laughs> and just say okay this location and 
whatever. It was me, Thomas, Trump, or whatever, just something like that. But also, we're going to use it for our maintenance log too, you know, like oil changes and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see if we hit that 12 to 15 mark this year or something a lot more than that. Yeah, that's definitely cool. Definitely a good idea with the log, too. It kind of gave me a little idea with my wood fiberglass boat. I could put a little, like, chicken scratch in it every time I get a duck out of it. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Tally marks. Put, put yeah. tally marks in the back. That'd be pretty funny. Um, but <laughs> anybody who thinks that you don't need a, a duck boat for duck hunting is an idiot. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Matt. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Elliot knew We're where I was going you, with Matt. that. Yeah, I knew where you were going with that. So... But yeah, definitely excited. I'm I'm excited to see um, some of that Delta stuff that you're talking about, um, and how that changes your season. The different videos you get, because um, like you said, most of I mean most of your hunting up to this point on the YouTube channel has been um, those walk-in locations, and you guys, I mean that's just all you do. You know, that's every mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. single hunt. So it's, I mean not every single hunt. You've done some jump shoots on the river, but every, uh, most of the hunts I can think of are are on those refuges, oh, yeah. and and they're. You know, it's pretty cool. You guys get a lot of birds and a lot of variety, um, but it's just going to be a totally different scenery. Total, it's almost because those those the rivers and the deltas and that kind of stuff. It's like free roam. It's not set like set locations, right? Right, right. Yeah, and that, on seven days a week and all that. And I and here's the thing: it's going to be a learning curve too. Like we, me and Tom, both have had boats growing up and had had some all through growing up and living our own stuff so we've had our own boats but it's it is a different learning process from the times we've taken it out already so there's there's gonna be that too but yeah i mean we're still gonna do the walk-ins you know we're not gonna stop doing that but this like you said is gonna add a lot to it for sure awesome titus do you think that you will be you will be able to because i know when we talked about the refuges do you hunt one thing that you've expressed is a lot of times there's guys you know, in every direction, 150 to 200 yards from you. With the boat, will you be able to get in some situations where you feel a little more isolated, where you're not around other people, or will it be the same as far as number of other hunters? Yeah, no, it, it and that's that was a big factor too. Is yeah, absolutely, it's definitely going to give us more space. I, I mean, I'm going to be realistic. We're in California, and there's a lot of hunters. I know there's not going to. I know there's going to be sometimes we're hunting out of the boat that there is going to be guys close, and you're going to maybe have some chit chats about being too close or whatever but i for the most part especially the ones i've talked to that have the boats and hunt and they just say it is way better and and i know it will be just because not everybody has boats you know there's a lot more hunters that walk in than there is with boats for sure mm-hmm. it's just uh you know the the walk-in there's no barrier or there's very there's a lot less barrier to entry for for that to go to those places yeah. To have a boat, you know, um, there's a lot more barrier to entry. And then as far as, like, if you get places, too, because you got that mud motor, right? I mean, you guys can go anywhere. So you can go anywhere Mm -hmm. some people can't even get to. So it's like every little step you go um, in that direction, it just makes it easier for you to be kind of having things to yourself. And not only that, but kind of my feeling is when I've gone to draw locations compared to, like, places I can go free roam, um, it's just – it just feels – like a different game when you're not restricted. Yeah. It removes a restriction from you, you know, nothing, mm-hmm. not, not taking anything away from your walking ones, but it's just more, mm-hmm. it's just more exciting to me when I can go somewhere and, and see the birds and I'm like, all right, let's go here and we move and we make the move 
um, that maybe you can't make in a restricted a restricted area. Um, so that'll be definitely cool. I think you'll you'll probably have right. a, a a good feeling about that or being able to do that. Right. No. Yeah. And I mean, and another, another that's thing. what we all. Okay. Elliot, you there? <laughs> Did we lose Elliot? Oh, sorry. Well, another, another, yeah, no, I'm here. I'm sorry, Titus. Um, another thing about refuges or like complexes that we hunt here in this state, a lot of them, whether we like to believe it or not, are camp hunting. I mean, they're built dikes, they're pumping water in there, they're planting food. And we like to think of it as this wild experience, but, but in reality, in a sense, it is canned hunting because it's being produced for us. And when you have a boat and you have river systems, there's something a little bit more, a little more natural about it and a little more freer that is, is opens up a part of your emotions, I think. Um, now, some of our complexes are big enough. They do not feel like canned hunting. Most of them don't feel that way. But still, there is an element of this is a man-made, a man-made place and not, not a natural habitat, you know. And I, that's why I'm, when you talk about the Delta, my ears perk up because you talked to me about that a little bit. And that place seemed awesome. That's that, that's where I would be wanting to head from what you've talked about. Yeah. And yeah. And, and on that Delta, like you said, there's so much water there and there's so many birds in there, but I've always been intimidated to go in there because it is intimidating. There's multiple reasons why it's intimidating. One is you could get lost in there. I mean, you could literally get lost in there. Number two, the tides. The tides come in and out. You can get stranded. You could hit a sandbar. You can mess your, throw yourself out of the boat. I mean, there's a lot of things there. And then one of the third reasons is um, it can be the Wild West from what I hear. And people, you know, flashing tires in parking lots. I mean, you just hear all these stories. I mean, but I've heard those stories on regular refuges too. So it's just. It's the unknown, right? The unknown makes us all a little bit nervous and and intimidated. But luckily, I have, like I said, a few people that are willing to kind of help steer, not really give spots or nothing like that, but just steer, hey, you know, you want to shoot some divers? Kind of go out in this area maybe. And if you want to shoot some, you know, puddle ducks, go over in this area. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I I already know right now, just like duck hunting is – there's going to be a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of sacrifice days where there's no success, but a lot will be learned on those days. Like, okay, this is where we need to be next time. You know? Awesome. Well, I know you're in a short schedule, Titus. So we really appreciate you jumping in here for a little bit. I don't know if there's any kind of closing words you want to give, um, you know, before you, you jump off here. Also you uh, feel free to, to drop all your social media links as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mid Valley Mercenaries on YouTube, and then um, same on Instagram and Facebook. Follow us there, and I try to put something on there every week. And then we got the podcast, Same Dam Show. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to linking up with all you guys for the collab, and looking forward to what the stuck season holds. I mean, I feel like we're right around the corner. I mean, August, September. So, I mean, a little. A little over two months, and we'll be out, back at it, and going hard as I always try to do. You know, I try to go to the end of season and not have any regrets. Like I wish I would have went more because I have, I have done a few seasons like that. I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm tired. You know, I'm man, I'm getting up at two o'clock, midnight all season long, blah blah blah. But 
when I've just went ahead and slept in, how <laughs> terrible I feel in the morning. Like, what a bum. I should have went. You know, it's windy, it's cold, and then your buddies are all telling you how good they did. So I tell you, I'll be honest with you. Last year was the hardest I ever went. And there was a lot of complications that happened last year with my pastor and the wreck and all that stuff. So that that uh, did change things quite up a bit. But other than that, I believe that I really gave 100% and went every opportunity I could. And, and I'm thankful for a wife and kids that are really supportive of that. She really never questions it or gets upset at me. Although sometimes I think she probably should, but um, pretty blessed. And, you know, and I don't know how long it's going to last either. You know, I, the way the schedule is with this job, maybe I won't, you know, down the road, maybe I'll be doing something else. I won't be able to go as much. So just trying to take, take it, uh, take the advantage of it while I can and just have fun and see me new people and traveling. Oh, yeah. Definitely never take a, never take any of those hunts for granted. I hear you on that. That's, that's definitely cool. So. Definitely, everybody, check out Titus, Mid-Valley Mercenaries, the MVM show over there as well. He puts out great content on both of them. Um, but that's all we got for tonight, folks. Elliot, you got you got something you want to add in there? Nope, just appreciate you coming on, Titus, and wish you luck this season. Yeah, same to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Alrighty, fellas, I'm Jordan from Duckin' Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and Titus from Mid-Valley Mercenaries, and we'll see you guys on the next one.